0: I sat down with Mary Calvey at the Morris Jumel Mansion in Upper Manhattan, a home high up on a hill where Washington led part of the war against the British. It was owned by a wealthy heiress who Mary learned Washington was deeply in love with. And she found, after a lot of digging, their relationship might have changed the course of American history. This is Mary Calvey's Extraordinary Story. So, you realize you're messing with history, right? Nobody is more aware of that than you.
1: I found these documents. They pieced together like a puzzle. And I felt remiss not to tell the story. And that's where it all began.
0: Now, I hadn't thought about George since, you know, college, high (laughs) school. Sure. Since I looked at a dollar bill, since I looked at a quarter. But now we're going into a whole different dimension here. There's a blockbuster headline, Mary Calvi, And you're responsible for this. Right? That's a heavy weight. That's a big deal.
1: I just hope that what I'm presenting here will be reviewed, officially reviewed, to go further than just me, but for other people to look at this and see if they see what I see, because it seems very clear to me that there was a time in George Washington's life where he spoke glowingly about his British commanders, but then his feelings towards them changed Quite quickly, within a two-year span of time, and it developed into this bitter resentment. And maybe others will see it differently. However, I think if you look at the letters that I looked at, I think you will see what I am seeing. And that is a change in George Washington's attitude toward his British commanders. And that resentment remained for years, 20 years, up and through the American Revolution.
0: Okay, so it's all about a woman, fair or not fair.
1: I'll tell you what I see. I see that George Washington was a colonel in the British Army in the 1750s, and he was, yes, in love with Mary Phillips, an heiress, richest heiress in colonial America from what I can see, and what I understand is that the commanders who also wanted to court mary phillips did him wrong not only did he keep him away from the heiress but also they didn't give him the promotion that he deserved they kept him at a fort that was half built with not enough men with not enough weapons in the middle of enemy territory and i believe they wrote a scathing article against him scandalous unbelievable right. claiming debauchery and gambling womanizing i Just mean comparing him to evil military rulers in all of the world stuff that nobody would believe exactly and the question i had throughout this was who would write this article it was written anonymously in 1756 who would do such a thing so i went back to look at who was it who would have been possibly responsible for this And it was clear to me that one person stood out as the person responsible for writing that article, and that was one of those British commanders. And yes, I think he was very angry, not just because they kept him away from this heiress, but also... Because they really deceived him and betrayed him. I mean, defamed him and vilified him. I mean, you could go on and on and on. But I think, yes, they definitely did something to George Washington to have him change his attitude toward them.
0: He was beside himself, angry, bitter, resentful in ways that we were not aware of, Within right?
1: three weeks after she marries a British officer, he writes to his commander and says, I am thinking about quitting my command. Better to be left by someone who endeavors or crowned with better favor than mine. I mean, it is clear to me that, yes, he is angry about a number of things. And one of them was a woman.
0: And you also tell us, Mary Calvi, that he might have had an affair with this woman while he was married and while she was married. And they might have actually gotten together in this very
1: So we are in the beautiful Morris Jamel Mansion in Washington Heights. Back then it was the township of Harlem on York Island and this was a mansion that Mary built with her husband Roger Morris. So what I'm saying here and I think people readers should look for themselves at this is that I believe they were in this home at the same time. For about a month and a half in 1776, George would have been married to Martha, Mary would have been married to Roger, and I am not sure what happened, but I do see the evidence show that they were both in the house at the same time, so whatever happened to them I think will always remain in secrecy and between the two of them. Um, but I do believe that they did see each other while they were in this mansion. What
0: happens in the mansion stays in the mansion. And
1: That might be the case. Apparently. I certainly don't want to make a judgment, but I'm curious as to how readers will take how I wrote it. I really would love to hear what they think about I it. I like
0: the way you wrote it. <laughs> Thank Where you. Where they lock the door. <laughs> and then what happens? We just don't know. Talk to me about the, the scope of your research. You were everywhere. You were not just here in New York. You were in California. It all... Boston all over the place, over three and a half years.
1: It just consumed me. I became so passionate about the project that I went wherever the research Good required me to go. You full-time job. Yes. Your news anchor <laughs> in New
0: York City. Your First Lady of Yonkers.
1: My husband's the mayor in Yonkers, right. yes. Your mom of three. That's true. Now,
0: those three things, not necessarily in that order. You it, wake it, up at what time every, every
1: morning? 2.30 2:30 a.m. 2.30 2:30 in the morning. Mm-hmm.
0: We used to work together.
1: I know. Whenever
0: I worked that shift, when my alarm would go off, you know what I'd say?
1: <laughs>
0: i probably drop an F-bomb. <laughs> what do you say every
1: morning? Uh, I question my sanity sometimes, but, you know, waking but, but
0: up at 2.30 in the morning. You're doing all this three and a half years. Mm-hmm. That's
1: incredible truthfully, looking back, I I really, I do realize that it was insanity. Yes. Uh, However, I just felt the need to, to find out the truth about Mary Phillips. And that's what really pushed me forward. Because what many people don't know is that three women were named traitors during the American Revolution, Mary Phillips, her sister Susanna, and a minister's wife. And As I was looking at that, I really drove myself to continue looking to determine whether they had done something treasonous. When you're named a traitor in the American Revolution, I mean, that is an extreme title. She was something. Yeah, what did she do wrong? And over the course of years, what I found was nothing. She did nothing treasonous. What I found was that the three women who were named traitors during the American Revolution were the only three women to own any significant property in the colony of New York. A law was passed only in New York that was completely un-American, completely unfair, and they took their property from them. They took their possessions from them. They condemn them to death and banish them forever from their home colony. And so that's what made me continue looking. How could I not continue looking if this is what I found? I mean, I just couldn't stop. Wow.
0: I want to give our folks here um, who are listening and watching a taste of how you wrote this. Okay? So in Chapter 7, George and Mary meet. And you describe this happening literally on Valentine's Day, seventeen fifty six.
1: So yes set this
0: up. This is a this is a ball or a party of sorts in, in Yonkers, right?
1: That is correct. So I wrote a novelistic look at their relationship, but I learned that George Washington had arrived in New York on February 14th. It was in the papers on the 15th that Colonel Washington had arrived here, and he was considered a hero at the time. People knew his name very well, and when they welcomed him to any one of the colonies, they did it with grandeur. So here we have uh, Mary and George meeting for the first time. He was a hero,
0: by the way, for the French and Indian War, right? That is correct, yes.
1: He... He wrote down a journal called the Journal of Major George Washington, and anyone could take a look at that, and it was quite fascinating, and it was his journey into uh, enemy territory to deliver a letter to the French commandant, and he wrote his journey down in a journal, and when he returned the journal to the governor who had assigned him this mission, he the governor turned around and, and published it in all of the papers. George Washington was not very happy about that. It's supposed to be private. Absolutely. Right? However, everyone read the Journal of Major George Washington. So all of a sudden, he became a hero because that was quite an adventurous journey, as you might have read in the book. And he also had a, an amazing feat during the Braddock expedition where he took charge of the army and uh, saved an army from annihilation. And many people were very aware of George Washington before he arrived in New York. So here
0: he is. So here he is. He lays eyes on this lovely lady, and it just—he's overcome.
1: So the as colonel— she,
0: As is she, by the way.
1: It, he They are both overcome. And, you know, the reason why I— Wrote it in that way, is I went back to a biography that was written in the 1800s to find some information about George Washington and Mary Phillips. And this was a biography by Henry Cabot Lodge. And what Henry Cabot Lodge writes in the 1800s is that Washington fell in love in apparently short notice with heiress Mary Phillips. Short notice. That's correct. So does that? Mean?
0: Just like So quickly, I
1: think that meant love at first sight. Uh-huh. And you know, you can go back to Washington Irving, who says, yes, Washington's admiration for Mary Phillips was historical fact. And all of the biographers, in fact, in the 1800s that I looked up, mentioned Mary Phillips in one way or another. So from there, I realized that This must have been something really special for them to meet because Washington was in New York at first for about four weeks, so that wasn't a whole lot of time, but I think it was enough time.
0: Okay, so boy meets girl.
1: So here we go. So I'll read uh, a portion of that to you. So Mm -hmm. Washington says, Miss Mary Eliza Phillips, the colonel used her birth name, as few ever did. Her eyes remained on his shoes, not a speck of mud. He placed his hand below hers, rugged to dainty. She felt him bring her hand to his lips. She raised her eyes to his. Your presence affords me unspeakable pleasure, says Washington. Blue, his eyes were blue with a touch of gray. The feel of his lips was upon her right hand. How thankful she was that in her haste she'd forgotten to slip on her lace gloves. With his warm breath on her bare skin, she decided if she could remain here in this very position for her entire life, she would have been contented. Wow. Wow.
0: Which Mary's talking here? You? (laughs) I, Mary Eliza? That's an intense moment.
1: I felt that it needed to be intense. If he was going to fall in love with Mary Phillips in short notice, it had to have that spark immediately.
0: So the writing style, how did you get your head into that? as a writer? Because in the news business, we write, you know, 10, 20, 30 second bits of copy. Very much different from that. So different.
1: How'd you pull that off? I completely based it on George Washington's writings. So I knew I wanted to use portions of his writing. So you'll see a love letter in the book and you'll see his journal in the book. The dialogue is based on George Washington's letters, so if he talks about poetry, it will be his writings from a letter about poetry. So I knew I wanted to use George Washington's writings because I didn't want to put words into George Washington's mouth. And so I knew that the prose had to be elevated in a way to match his writing because it was very eloquent and just beautiful so I worked very 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 hard from you know it's really word after word after word wow. and and it was quite daunting because you have a thought in your head as to how you want to present that on paper um, but it's much more difficult to put one word after the other. Did you
0: start with plain English like contemporary English and then translate it or did you just try to Fashion it that way, and then and then work with it.
1: I did in every sort of way you could ever imagine. Which way. Yes, every which way, and I, I put little uh, marks where I where I realized that this wasn't good enough, and you know the prose had to be elevated here, or uh, maybe be made more accessible in another place. So I started with just thoughts on the paper. Some of them sounded great, but most of them were awful. So <laughs> I, I had know. to I had to change almost everything. I mean, I think every sentence in the book has changed since the first time I wrote it. I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So
0: then chapter nine. Uh This is George's version of how he sees her and how he's overcome Mm -hmm. this love at first sight aha moment. Their discourse, right? This is where this one starts.
1: Sure. I'm with you. I'm just uh, looking through the page and wondering, why did I write it in that way? (laughs) How did you do that? Their discourse seemed to move in a pleasurable fashion. He wondered if their time together went too well. Affairs of the heart had not ended well for him up to this point. He recalled what he had come to believe. There is no truth more certain than that all our enjoyments fall short of our expectations. And to none does it apply more force, with more force than to the gratification of the passions. He believed this firmly up until now. Life changer. I think it was from everything I've read. I think this relationship uh, added something to George Washington's life, from what I can tell, and it no, that, certainly. That moment, oh, that moment! That
0: moment was it, right? I,
1: I think mean. for him, I think he finally realizes. He really digs this girl. Yes. I think he's he's getting closer. He's getting closer to well, that feeling.
0: In fact, you write this in the beginning, right here. A person can live or die no matter the breath on one's lips. A person can be rich or poor no matter the pence in one's pocket. A person can love or hate no matter the devotion within one's heart. A person can be a hero or traitor no matter the will or the will of one's mind. On the 14th of February 1756, no matter the choice. Destiny became sealed as if etched into metal. What's that from?
1: That was from my head Yeah <laughs> and uh,
0: that's amazing It I, sounds like it's from back then
1: Well I think that that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to, for people to just become immersed in that time immediately and I felt like I needed to do it quickly. And um, on the first page, so that's why that is there before chapter one even that begins. That really struck
0: me. It stood out as, this is just going to go boom, and life is going to change, and so it did. Not just life for him, not for her, whole country. If, right, all of this pans out to be so, and it certainly sounds that way.
1: I think that um, there, there's so much in the documentation that I believe historians can look at and review and analyze and and make determinations as to what we know and what we need to know more of. And I think there are more documents out there. There are more letters out there. I think there is more to analyze. I looked at everything I could possibly look up, but as I was done, there were even pieces that I realized afterwards that I probably could have added into the story. And I just think that um, we just need to review this a little bit more. And for that line specifically really affected Mary Phillips when it came to Destiny um, because her life changed drastically. Right.
0: So your life changed drastically when you decided, I'm going to help my husband write a line in his inaugural address (laughs) as mayor of Yonkers.
1: So what happened was... So this
0: is how this whole thing went down. Mm -hmm. You didn't set out to go do a A historical novel. That doesn't sound like the plan to me. You decided to help your husband, and it led to all this. Take me through that.
1: I am as accidental an author as you can get. So, as a young girl, I had visited Phillips Manor a number of times. In Yonkers? In Yonkers. I grew up in Yonkers, and this was the old manor, and it had been there forever, and it was quite empty at the time, but it was quite fascinating, too, because we knew that there was a family who lived there, and the portraits are all throughout the manor. So you can see the portraits of all the women that lived there, Mary Phillips being prominently displayed. And so it was always a matter of curiosity for me about the woman who lived there. Um, And I knew that they were one of the richest families in New York. Now I'm learning that they were the richest family in New York, I think the richest in all of colonial America. Mm -hmm. She was certainly the richest single woman in colonial America. However, um, that curiosity never went past that. When my husband was inaugurated, he has his inauguration at this manor, Phillips Manor, because it was the original city hall in the 1800s. So it was quite appropriate for him to have his inauguration there. Beautiful. And I mentioned to him, isn't it local lore that George Washington once courted Mary Phillips? I knew this from way back when, and so did he.
0: That was commonly known. People knew it's that? an urban
1: legend, okay. you know, that he would walk her to the local church and that he'd come to visit her a number of times, and so it's always been there. It's like the gossip, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, we both tried to substantiate that, you know, asking around to anybody we could, and we couldn't really find out for sure. So I said to him, "Let me try to do some digging and see what I can find," and quickly quickly, in a matter of maybe a couple of days, I realized that there was an amazing story to be what told. What kind of are we doing here? So, yeah, what, what was you, what this courtship? At? So I found an image that was created of Mary Phillips and George Washington, and it really is quite beautiful. It was created for an article in the 1800s that was written by Woodrow Wilson, and it's in Harper's um, back in 1896. Where did you find this? So this I obtained because the article I needed to get the information from, so I had to go searching for this publication myself. However, the image I was able to find digitally, and it's stored at Boston Public Library in the archives. And so I was able to take a closer look at that image, and I was quite fascinated by it because it's George Washington sitting across from Mary Phillips, and the background looked very familiar to me because it looked like it was the background of Phillips Manor. Wow. And I thought, well, this is quite fascinating that there's this beautiful image of the two of them uh, created by Howard Pyle at the time he was commissioned to create that for this article. And they look like they were in the middle of a date. Back then, it would have been called an interview and it was very formal and uh, the gentleman would sit across from, from the lady and the lady would normally have be sipping tea and so would the gentleman and they would have beautiful conversations. And so I started there and then I found Henry Cabot Lodge's biography which said that yes George Washington fell in love in short order or in short notice with Mary Phillips so, so hold on.
0: is this a Google search Mary
1: I think I did Google her and what came up was Mary Phillips the first love of George Washington and so I thought well that's fascinating and then that's when I started going deep and for me secrets were buried in the footnotes of a number of the biographies and mm. that's how I was able to then go to the next piece and sure. the next piece and the next piece and then it just went on and on and on until I I think I probably looked through thousands of pages and documents and letters of, you know pieces of information and that's when this whole theory started to emerge of love deception vengeance sure so from this going. photo
0: where do we go do we go to letters? Do we? Yes, go to then I
1: started looking for um, information about George Washington at that time. Much of the letters, and I did go down to the Library of Congress. Much of them, I was able to find digitally. His letters are stored by the University of Virginia, and they have done an amazing job at transcribing the letters. So I believe I started there, but also had to go to Library of Congress to look at the actual letters, and you can actually see those digitally in many cases. A number of the letters I had to look at myself. So one of the letters uh, was at Harvard University, and I had to go there because I couldn't really see it clearly on the digital version. So I traveled to Harvard University a couple of times. What are you doing on on the weekend? On the weekend, whenever I could. Friday afternoon? <laughs> yes, sometimes. After work, you're
0: jumping on the train? That's I correct. Mean, Really? After
1: work, one day I was at the New York Historical Society looking at what's called the Declaration of Dependence as opposed to the Declaration of Independence. Sure. Many people don't know that that's there. And yes, I was doing that in the afternoons so whenever I could find the time. I literally was using every free moment I had doing research. And even on the weekends, I'd, I'd be getting up sometimes. I mean, it's cringeworthy for people, but I sometimes got up at, you know, five in the morning. Well,
0: that's late for
1: you. Uh, yeah, it was kind of late for me, so it was a treat to sleep until five. In. And so I would go through the materials. You know, it it was quite complex because I was dealing with people around George Washington. You see, if you look at George Washington and his archives and what he wrote, there are pieces missing. So for example, when George arrived in New York in 1756 and spent about four weeks here, there are very few notations in his journal about his activities. And he, any letters from that time are non-existent. So if you look at George Washington on any other given day, he's writing letters, he's writing journal entries. I mean, he wrote tens of thousands of letters and, and journal entries. However, there are pieces that either are omitted in the record or disappeared. Why? It's curious, isn't it? Right. And that's a question that I asked. And so... I went to those who were writing to George Washington, and I was looking at Mary Phillips, and how were the two connected? For example, I wanted to know, why did George Washington come to meet Mary Phillips? I mean, where was the connection between the two of them? Did he receive an invitation? I mean, how did that happen? And so that took quite a bit of time to find that information, and I learned that Mary Phillips's sister was married to Major Beverly Robinson, and Major Robinson was a childhood friend of George Washington. So that was fascinating for me to learn. So I needed to piece those little details together in order for this to make sense. But if I could tell you this, as I was looking at the documents and I was as I was finding this research, nothing took me off the path, meaning every document I found, and I really mean hundreds, thousands, Possibly thousands, all pointed to the same theory. It wasn't like one. I thought, oh, wait a minute, no, now the story doesn't make sense mm-hmm. because I questioned myself every step of the way. I was scrutinizing it and really wondering, how is this even possible that I'm finding this and that it even happened? And so I was really careful in determining which documents were t- what, what, what story they were telling, and. Each one was telling the same story. So I had to keep looking, and the trail was just linear, and it just, one after the other after the other, it just emerged. Led
0: you to the same conclusion? Yes. That, you know, there were, there were Brits who didn't want George to see Mary.
1: That's correct.
0: Because of Colonel Morris.
1: I think that, yes, I think that um, there was a small group of British commanders, and they wanted their guy
0: when did that first go off in your in your head? When did you see that?
1: It took me what a long you, time.
0: So, what are you looking at that says, "Oh my gosh, I have this huge deal here"?
1: So, I was looking at George Washington's letters, and he was asking for time off. So, after George had come to New York, he spent time here. He went up to Massachusetts. He came back to New York, but after that, he was ordered to build a fort down in Virginia. And this time in George Washington's life is really fascinating. And we're talking about 1756, 1757, 20 years before the Declaration of Independence. George Washington is in his 20s. And he's down in Virginia. And I looked at every letter he wrote at the time. And there are a number of letters that ask for 10 days off, 12 days off, 14 days off. I mean, constant. And he's getting denied every time. And there's a point where George Washington says, and I'm probably misquoting it here, but he says something like, every other soldier is able to take time off, why not me? So he's left in this fort again with not enough men, not enough weapons in the middle of enemy territory, and then denials keep coming. And I thought, well, let me look at who's denying him this time. And I found a name, and Colonel Stanwix um, kept coming up. And fascinating this, it, it was just fascinating to me because I found a document that had been in storage and it listed potential suitors for Mary Phillips and it's actually the end papers in the book and mm-hmm. so readers will be able to see that that document showed the British men that were interested in Mary Phillips and on that list was Colonel Stanwix
0: and he's denying George time off
1: that's correct
0: repeatedly, repeatedly. he's his superior
1: that's correct on top of that, other superiors are on the list. And one of the men who I believe wrote the scathing article against George Washington that I think readers will be fascinated to read is also on that list. Read so, the
0: person who wrote the article? I thought that person was anonymous.
1: Yes, but the person who I believe wrote it wow. anonymously, I believe, is on the list too. So,
0: they're all haters.
1: <laughs> I think so. In today's
0: terms. And they're just, they're, they're stopping him at every turn. Mm-hmm. Has anybody else noticed this? Has anybody else seen this?
1: Maurice Dubois, what was I to do with that? I stopped the research for about two months.
0: So no one else has seen this or or, or connected those dots?
1: I went back to look, and I stopped the research for a couple of months just to research that. Like, okay, well, who who else has said this? I mean, didn't anybody mention this? I mean, why am I the only one seeing this? And I went back to look at everything I could find. Like, didn't anybody make a determination as to who wrote that scathing article? I mean, it must be somewhere, somewhere in the record, a, a biographer. A, uh, its It has to be. If it exists, I don't know. I've never seen it. I keep looking, and maybe somebody will tell me differently, but I don't believe anybody has ever seen this piece of information.
0: So when you reached this point, where, where were you? Do you remember?
1: Um. I was probably banging my head against the wall, thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, what am I doing? What is, this is where, where Were you in so Virginia, unexpected. were you
0: in New York? Where were you, um, at, at home, at a computer? I, I
1: believe I was in Washington, D.C. Okay. And at I literally, I a, literally, I leaped from my, from sleep. That is exactly what happened. I, I just jumped out of um, the bed, pretty much. <laughs> a and hotel. I, in a hotel, and I said out loud, unrequited love may have sparked a flame that ignited a cause that became the American Revolution. Come on. And I didn't sleep another wink that night and I was breathless. I really was breathless. But that's exactly what happened.
0: It just hits you like that.
1: Absolutely. It had been building and building and building and and I was finding this information and piecing it together but I hadn't really, really um, cemented that theory in my own head, you know. And that, that's when it happened.
0: So yeah. what do you do with that besides break out in a sweat? Oh, yeah, heart you Heart know. pounding? <sighs> I mean.
1: Take a deep breath, yeah. It took me a mm-hmm. while to really um, know what I was even finding. I mean, it just, I didn't realize what was happening until I was halfway through the process. Who'd you tell? Well, my husband was first. He heard, he's heard every detail uh, about a million times. He's probably like, okay, Mary, I got it. I got yeah, by it, the know. way.
0: How did his speech turn out, that you were supposed uh, to get a line?
1: I think he did not mention did you ever put it. anything he, did, in there? he mentioned something about it, yes. But we didn't, at the time, we still didn't know. So he was able to find a little something um, to, to say during that time. And, you know, when people asked us, it would be like, oh, Mary's doing the research, trying to find it out for sure. So, uh, but yeah, I think I'm, my, my fa- you know, my family... Knew about it pretty quickly mm-hmm. because I really needed to discuss it with all the smart people in my, you know that are in sure. my inner circle to say what are you seeing here? And we had a number of um, wine and cheese receptions in my house where we sit around a table and we talk about it. And I'd show them the documents and I would you know say now I'm seeing this. Do you see that? I look at this line. Um, look at this person. You know I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots. And um, that's that's I basically. Was doing it on my own. However, I was using every person that I knew of that new research, that new history, that new, I just brought in all of every person that I knew that was at the height of those uh, particular areas to be able to help me to look to at this. To back you up, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm.
0: to tell you that you're not
1: crazy. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be thinking.
0: Absolutely. Holy cow, no one else has seen this. Why am I the only one seeing this? Do you ask yourself?
1: Every single minute of the day, I was asking myself, but the research just kept pushing me forward and I couldn't uh, put it down. And so at that point, I knew that I needed to do something with some material, whether it was to write an essay or an article or a a short story or a nonfiction or something, or get it out, um, scream it out loud. I don't know what, but I felt the need to be able to tell this story. And while I wanted to tell the story about George Washington, I most particularly wanted to tell the story about Mary Phillips. That was your
0: starting point. So you have all this. The question is what do I do with it? Yes. I mean you've you've vetted it with your best friends, with the smartest people you know. What do you do? You're sitting on a gold mine, a life changer. How'd you how'd you make a decision?
1: Truthfully, as this whole process was going along, I was writing it down in chronological order of the the documents that I had found. And so I thought it would be beneficial to have this printed somewhere or in some way tell the story. And so I spoke with uh, the folks at CBS and I said, you know, I have this great story. And um, our general manager, Peter Dunn, said, this is great. I said, I think I should put it in a book or something like that. Can I have three minutes on the five o'clock? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, just, it needed more than that, right. truthfully, sure because at first that's how I wanted to do it, as a story for the news show, but it, it just seemed too long <laughs> to tell all <laughs> of these details, and I had all these documents, and so um, I said, I think I'm going to try to write it in a book, and he was very helpful, as was our news director, David Friend, and I started trying to put it together and amazingly a publisher really wanted to publish it and so then i really had to work fast because when you get to that point then you're under some real deadlines so then i really started to move quickly in creating the story i remember you
0: told me i have this stuff i think i have a publisher I'm going to write this story. I know, I
1: told you all along. It was so
0: exciting.
1: Yeah, it was exciting and and terrifying.
0: (laughs) Right, scared to death.
1: Oh, for sure. I'd never done this before. And there were so many ways to do the story, whether it was a nonfiction or fiction. Um, And I really ended up deciding on a novel because I really wanted to be able to present some of the research that I found that really couldn't be put in a nonfiction book, for example. I was looking up foods that people ate in the seventeen hundreds and I found a cookbook from the seventeen hundreds and I thought, wouldn't this be fascinating for people to like actually know what people were eating and how it was being made and, you know, how do you make pretty almond pudding and tipsy cake and things like that. And so I thought I'd really want to be able to add this flavor to the story and to create this, you know, full portrait of life in the seventeen hundreds in New York. And I had the fashions from the Met Costume Institute's digital archives of what women were wearing in the 1700s, especially a wealthy heiress. And I thought it would be really nice to be able to add all of that. So throughout the novel, you'll see the cuisine and the fashion and the entertainment, even the dancing. At one point,
0: George orders wine with bitters and he Did actually he really? do
1: that. See, yes, Who does John, that? what was fun about George Washington is that there were so many little details that I thought really added flavor to his character in the book. And one of them is that George Washington was interested in, uh, was interested in cocktails and and drinks and he owned a whiskey distillery later on in life. And in one of the notes that I had read in his invoices uh or his letters, and I'm trying to recall exactly, but it mentioned wine and bitters together. And yes, he did have wine and bitters together. Have you tried that? Uh, I haven't myself, (laughs) but uh, I've had Madeira, so I've been trying to enjoy some of the cocktails at that time. Presidential Punch was something that was a little bit later on that Martha Washington had made, and so I've had that and a number of the other drinks. But I've actually tried to make some of the cuisine. From uh, back then, you know the recipes are written differently, so they need to really be translated right. to what we know today. But
0: so it puts your head in the right frame of mind.
1: It did, and and in fact, any time I did the research or did the writing, I had classical music from the 1700s playing in the background, really? and that helped to be able to of you know, set the tone. Really? what life was like. And you have to be careful with classical music because some of the um, composers that we know of today, like Beethoven, um, he wasn't writing in the 1700s, in the 1750s, so I had to go back to look at uh, which composers were writing music back then. Right. What and did What
0: did that inspire you to do? How did that inspire you?
1: You have to immerse really yourself yeah. into that time, and you really have to get into the head of the character if you're writing about them and from their perspective and that's how the story runs it's one chapter is from her perspective another is from george's so i needed to wrap my head around that and to understand that time in fact as i was writing mary phillips's portion of the book i was drinking tea out of a cup that i had purchased that had been made in the 1700s that was similar to the china that they had in their house at the time so you really have to be able to create uh, an atmosphere for your own self. At least I do. Maybe it's other like, writers don't, but I did. Like I needed to. Almost, right? Yeah, they I needed to. Get themselves to. really mm-hmm. into it. I needed to. Can
0: you can you think of something specifically that you were able to write or come up with as a result of all those sort of external? triggers
1: you oh absolutely so as they're having their first dance i had music playing in the background and there um i needed to know like the beats and the rhythm of that music to determine which foot would then step is it two is it two steps or one step so i went by the beat of the music there's even a chapter where the two have this interview or date you know where this is a private conversation and mary is rushing into the room because she knows that the music will uh there will be an upbeat in the in the actual song, and so she doesn't want to. She wants to um, have her feet go by the rhythm of the music, and she rushes uh, to meet George Washington. Wow,
0: that's just—it's perfect. Yeah, it was it right. was a it lot of fun. I have the, to say, right. it, it
1: was necessary for me certainly.
0: Now I want to take take us back to to Mary's life. Um, you're at Syracuse. From
1: oh my, the, Mary, oh yes, me, you're okay. Mary, Mary County. <laughs>
0: Um, you graduated magna, how, did, how do we say it, magna sum, cum laude, right? Yes, magna cum laude. I can't even pronounce it because <laughs> i was just, magna, thank you, laude. Um, but what was your major?
1: Journalism. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So top of the class.
1: Well, I was um, a good. nerd. I was as nerdy as you can get. You know, I right. spent more time in the library than I did at the bars. and um, So that was me, and it, it was what it was. And at the time, I was, you know, fine with it, too. I mean, I just, I, I was the kid in class that people would cheat off of. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it, that was me. I was like the studious one, always in the books, and you know.
0: But what was the plan? Was writing a historical novel that changes the way we look at George Washington part of the plan? Oh. Not at all. What was the plan? Never. What were you thinking back then? Was this the I want to tell a great
1: story. I want to tell a great story. And I want to do that in any way I can do it. So you learned
0: every aspect of the business, like we all do. You come up, you're covering City Hall, you're mm-hmm. covering budgets, like you said, human, um, human stories, people's stories. And then, you know, all these years later, you're now digging through these documents, mm-hmm. right? You've got this foundation. What did you draw on from your career to make this happen? What aspects of your work did you really just sort of just lean on for this?
1: never stop looking, always be curious. Keep yourself focused on what it is that you're looking for. You see, when it comes to journalism, and our skills are find the information that you're looking for, and however you need to do that, you do it. So for me, there were times where I was looking through old papers in the basement of a church Trying to find one document that was an invitation um, that I knew I needed to search for. There was also pieces that I was looking for, like I needed to find an actual letter written by one of George Washington's commanders, so I can compare the handwriting of a piece of documentation that I had that had handwriting on it. I mean, it was like going down to that, and so I would keep on looking, and would that's what journalists do—we keep digging. Don't take no for for an answer. Never. There's a point where you're blocked, but when that happens, you go around it and see what's behind that wall. Yes, you do. And that was what was kind of amazing to me, is that when you looked behind the curtain, you could find quite a bit.
0: Were there people telling you no? No. No one said no. No one no said one. what you're looking for is not here. What you see is not what you oh, see. Oh, well, of did course. People did say oh, that. Oh,
1: many, many people said, no, I we don't have it. We don't. I said, are you sure? Can you check that box again? Because I think it's supposed to be there. I have the actual number. I think it's we can find this. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that is true. Yes, there were many people that said, I don't think we have it. And I said, are you sure? Because it's hanging on the wall right there. I see it. Sometimes I just had to go and find it myself. Wow. Yeah.
0: Dogged determination. I guess so. Right.
1: I really felt like I had no choice. I really felt like I was given this opportunity to find this for a reason. I kept it as a treasure. I was like right. I it was like a treasure map and I was like kept looking and digging and digging and I just thought it would be wrong of me to not figure this out. You know, it started as a hunch, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you have a hunch that's great, but when you have facts to back it up, you can't let that go. And I don't know what it was that was really pushing me forward, except for the fact that I said to myself, if I was given this opportunity to find this information, it would be remiss for me not to complete the mission of finding the full story. you know who
0: you sound like? Who? You sound like George.
1: Oh, do I? Providence,
0: (laughs) right? You write about that, how he saw destiny as something he had to live up to, or something was sort of predetermined, or he just... Was obligated to live his life a certain way. That's what you sound like right now.
1: He is have so amazing. I had never thought of that before. I never, I never have. He writes so beautifully in his letters about being under the direction of providence and wow. destiny and what he was required to do. And he kept his character at such a level that you know he's so moral and so good and really worked very hard at. Um, uh, being able to understand his own persona, I guess, and and what he needed to do his mission for the in life. future of the country. Yeah. Right.
0: That's what it feels like. It feels like you were on a mission that you just couldn't stop.
1: I couldn't you stop. Had to get I this. couldn't stop. It's true. It's right. tr- absolutely true.
0: You know what, what about George?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what was your impression going into this and how did it change? How did it evolve over time? You know, we have this impression of George Washington, the father of the country, Mm -hmm. this figure. Did it change?
1: I felt like he was elusive as a founding father. Um, I didn't know much about him. You know, he was sort of ambiguous a bit. I never really had thought of George Washington in his early 20s. I never even thought of George Washington, the love poet, I, George Washington, the dancer, George Washington, the avid horseman who wrote right. the names of his horses down in a journal and never, never even dawned on me that it was that. Um, so I, I, I guess, like many others, I hadn't thought about him very much.
0: I would agree with that, <laughs> neither had I, <laughs> as it turns out. But it turns out he lacked confidence, it seemed like, right? He didn't have his, he didn't have his dad to grow up with. He was very self-deprecating when he spoke with Mary. Um, about his shortcomings or perceived self-shortcomings, right?
1: I found that, yes. I think that if you look at his letters in his younger years, there's a real um, question about his worth. And I think a lot of that had to do with his lack of formal education and really lack of real wealth. And so at that time, that was very necessary in order to elevate to the next level Um, And so I think for him, he was doing everything he could really based on this idea of resolve um, to get to the next level.
0: There's a great story of uh, how he could not tell a lie Mm -hmm. and how he told Mary or how she came to discover uh, how he couldn't tell a lie. Had to do with a horse.
1: Yeah, you know, so so many people know the uh, story of the cherry tree. Did he cut down the cherry tree and couldn't lie about that? I found a really beautiful story in a memoir that was written by his stepson, um, by his step-grandson. And the memoir looks back at a story about George Washington not being able to tell a lie. And I thought, I really have to add that into the book because I think people would really enjoy it. And it was the story that his mother had a favorite horse a wild horse, and George Washington was determined to tame the wild horse, and he brought in several of his friends and solicited their help to push the horse into a a corner and put a bit in its mouth, and the horse tore off into the fields with George Washington on its back and tossed Washington about, and Washington held on throughout this, this ride until this horse just leaped and in a violent burst fell to the ground with George Washington on its back. George got up and was uninjured. However, the horse died. And so the next day, the friends were with George Washington as they were having breakfast with his mother and the mother questions, where's my horse, my favorite steed? And the friends are thinking, what is he going to say? And George Washington just tells the truth from start to finish. And Washington's mother is red in the face as the story goes and pauses and says, I am so sorry that my favorite is gone. However, I am content that my son always tells the truth, or something along those lines is how the story went. And I, I enjoyed that very much. So I think the idea that George Washington could not tell a lie is true. Um, except I just think that the author, when he was trying to be able to tell that story to readers, came up with the cherry tree story.
0: Well, this one works. I like this it one very lot. much. Yeah. And, and one other thing that I found fascinating the 110 rules of civility, uh, civility right? 110 rules? Mm-hmm. This is in a book form.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's well known
0: that George had these rules that he lived by,
1: and not only did he live by them, but he wrote about them many times in his letters. You can you can see that, uh, it is better to be alone than in bad company, and,
0: and you sprinkle them throughout the book.
1: Well, it was necessary of for me to understand who mm-hmm. he was, and so one of the ways I was able to do that was to look at what he wrote about and you know what he felt, and so the hundred and ten rules I thought was a good start to be able to give readers a real understanding of who I thought I saw George Washington as. How
0: about some of these? Every action done in company ought to be done with some sign of respect Mm -hmm. to those that are present.
1: And I I think he lived by that. Uh,
0: Very much so, right? Sleep not when others speak. Mm -hmm. Sit not when others stand. Speak not when you should hold your peace. Walk not when others stop.
1: He was a very formal man. And uh, there were gestures that he was very careful with as to when he, he greeted people, especially people who he considered at a higher level than himself.
0: He thought about every action that he took it appears, right? At least when you sit down, keep your feet firm and even without putting one on the other or crossing them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow.
1: It, it was quite fascinating to read through the rules. He had written these rules down in his journal and um, Again, I think he kept them very close to him throughout. You know, since he didn't have a father growing up, I think he needed to be able to learn, and he learned oftentimes from books.
0: I could learn from reading this more often. (laughs) Associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad company.
1: That's a really important one, and as you look at George Washington's life, you see that he really only brings people into his inner circle that he highly respects he was not a man who had a lot of good friends but few good friends and he kept his feelings to himself most of the time and only i believe revealed his feelings to those who were closest to him his true confidants. well
0: i'm glad we did this mary i'm
1: glad you're learning me. thank you, thank you so have, much
0: you're, you're learning every day with this um is there a sequel plant
1: Oh, there is an idea that is kind of swirling in my head, but I'm not sure if I can tackle it. It is too too big a project, so I have to see if if I dare. (laughs) But you know what I, I hope that people take from this? I hope that people realize that history hides in everyone's hometown. And I hope people take advantage of that and maybe let history come alive in their own neighborhood because there's so much that's yet to be found.